Well, good morning. It is a great privilege to be with you all this morning. And I just wanted to dive straight in this morning with a question to say, have you ever totally missed the point? And I think that sometimes it can happen to us all and it actually happens quite often. That even in the last few weeks, I've been on a course from work And they're explaining to us how to do all these things, how to go about all these different processes. And usually I could tend to follow the steps they were telling me. But did I have a clue what the point of the number or the answer I was left at the end with? Probably not. And I, this kind of takes me into the challenge that I found as I was reading through the Gospels. That actually I was challenged by how the Pharisees, they went about their life thinking they were so focused on doing God's will. That they thought that everything that they were doing was aligned with their faith and everything that they wanted to do was exactly what God would want of them. But then actually we read that when Jesus was stood right in front of them that they didn't recognise him. And so I think there's somewhere then where the Pharisees missed the point Because if they are following, if they're following Jesus and following God's will so intently, but yet they didn't recognise Jesus when he was stood there, there's something that they've missed about who their God is. So I thought it would be helpful first to just have a quick look at what the background of the Pharisees um, was. So the the actual word Pharisees comes from the Greek for separated ones, because the Pharisees set out with this initial intention to say, Um, We don't necessarily agree with some of the other things that are going on with the Jewish community. So we're going to set out and go off on our own because we want to make sure that we're aligning with the will of God. We want to do something that's a bit different to what other people are because we think that they're being swayed away from the will of God. And the key to their separated belief, it came from um, a type of oral tradition. So in, uh, in the Jewish community, a lot of this oral tradition has now been written into different Jewish writings. But as well as the Torah, which would be what we know as the first five books of the Old Testament, um, the Jews would also look at this oral tradition that they believed had been passed down through generations through word of mouth. And a part of this that the Pharisees really clung on to was that they believed that you could live in a way that meant you were pure enough to be able to enter the temple. And what that meant for them is that entering the temple was where the presence of God would be. So they thought that you had to be able to complete this whole checklist of things. And if you were fulfilling all this, at that point, that proved your Jewish identity and it proved that you were um, able to enter the presence of God. So we can see that the Pharisees, they set out with this great initial intention that we can sometimes talk ourselves about being set apart for God and being willing to do something different because that's what the will of God is asking us to do. And actually that the Pharisees, they had this initial intention, but somewhere along the line, they missed the point. And so I wanted to just have a quick look at that. Can this happen to us? Can we set out with all these good intentions and actually somewhere miss the point? So I thought we'd just have a look at three different things that we can maybe learn from the Pharisees, three ways that they lived and what instead is Jesus asking us to do and how is Jesus asking us to live. So I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit in scripture. I hope that's okay. I'm going to look at a few different um, stories about the Pharisees and a few different teachings of Jesus to kind of help us have a look at how we can hopefully avoid going down the path that the Pharisees did. 
So the first thing is that the Pharisees, they were legalistic. And by this, I mean that they knew the law and they focused on the law more than they knew God. And for this, I want us to just have a look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. And they say, Going on from that place, he went to their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, the Pharisees asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the others. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So the Pharisees came to Jesus with this question and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And this came from their knowledge of the law. So there they found in the law that it does state that the Sabbath should be kept holy. And their interpretation of this led them to ask Jesus this question. But I don't think that they were asking Jesus this question in a sincere way. I think they were asking it in a way of going, oh, like we know that is breaking the law. We know that's not how you should go about things. So actually they were instead trying to catch him out. Um, So I think it's important here for us to just have a look also at what Jesus's view on the law was too. So we can find some of that in Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 to 20, where Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think we can see without a doubt that Jesus never once says that the law isn't important. He's never saying that looking to the law and reading the Old Testament and all the things that the Pharisees were looking to is a bad thing to do. He never said that. But we can also see that there's somewhere that that wasn't, that wasn't quite enough for salvation. Because we can see that Jesus said that they need something more than the Pharisees to be able to access the kingdom of heaven. And so there's something that they've missed the point. And I think here what they've missed the point on is that we cannot earn our salvation, that our salvation can only come by our faith. And what a gift is that? That actually where the Pharisees thought that they had to go through this checklist of things to be able to enter the presence of God. That actually Jesus says you can't do anything to qualify you or disqualify you from coming into my presence. But actually that in that when we step into that faith it means that we grow in a love for our God. And that when we love our God we desire his will and we desire everything that he wants And actually, that when you love and when you know God, you want his will. You want to do the things that he asks of us because we see it over and over and over in the Bible that God, he only wants the best for each of us. He only wants the best for his children. And that actually, when we do live by faith and we do live by in that love of God, that we want to see his will. And that because 
that's God's will, it will also align with his law because he is the one who wrote the law. And also in that, that when we actually are asked to live by faith, we're not left alone in that either, but we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That instead of us just being given this list of things that if we check them through, actually God asks us to discern. He asks us to ask him and be in communication with him and build our relationship with him to know what is it, Jesus, that you are asking of me? What is it that you're asking me to do? And there's a verse at the end of Romans 16 that talks about the obedience that comes from faith that actually that natural want and that natural desire to want the will of God. Because where the Pharisees found that there was some sort of safety in, oh, well, I've got this list of things and if I've done the whole list of things, then that's fine and I'm sorted. That actually Jesus instead says to us, you don't need to live in safety like that. You need to live in my freedom and you need to live in my freedom and my protection. Because living by faith means there's grace for mistakes. It means that we don't have to earn our salvation. And so I think then where the Pharisees were legalistic, we should firstly recognise that our faith is the only thing that can bring us salvation And also that by being obedient to God's will, that we will be law following in a free way because we'll be able to put God as our top priority focus, which will mean that the law follows rather than us put the law as our top focus, which then means that somewhere down the line, God has become second to something. And when God becomes second to something, I think that's where the Pharisees ended up not recognising Jesus. So the second thing that I wanted us to look at kind of builds straight on from the end of that first passage I read where it talks about that the Pharisees, after asking Jesus this question, after listening to his response, they still went out and they plotted to kill Jesus and they're still trying to catch him out. It's like they're hearing what Jesus said, but they don't want to listen to it. They believe that they knew better and they believe that they had all the wisdom that they needed. And I think this shows us the second thing about the Pharisees is that they were unteachable. And for this, I want us to have a look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. And in the first half of this passage, we see Jesus heal a man. We see Jesus forgive his sins. And then we see the Pharisees go on to question this as blasphemy. And then Jesus responds and tells them that it's more difficult to forgive someone's sins than it is to heal them physically. And we can see in this short passage here that Jesus is trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them who he is. He's trying to teach them that he's a healer. He's trying to teach him that he's able to forgive sins. He's trying to teach them that he loves the marginalised. And yet the Pharisees aren't listening because we hear straight away in verse 9, it tells us that the following story comes when Jesus went on from there. So the following story is immediately following. And straight away, the Pharisees question in Matthew 9 verses 9 to 13, why Jesus would want to eat with the tax collectors. And here we've just been told that Jesus can forgive and yet they didn't believe it. And they've just been told that Jesus loves the marginalised and yet they're still, they're not believing it. But Jesus, he's patient with them and he says that he's come for everyone and he calls everyone and he recognises that it's the sick that need a doctor. That actually he never excuses sin, but he loves people and he sits with people in it. And just as a kind of, a slightly unrelated side note, but 
Uh, I heard something uh, a couple of weeks ago and it said, what a gift did Jesus have to not only go and sit with people that he so disagreed with? Because I think that can sometimes be our battle, can't it? We can think, oh, I don't agree with what they're doing, but I should probably go and spend some time with them. That actually Jesus went further than that because where he went to sit with these people, that those people actually, they chose to stay and stay with him because they didn't feel judged, but they felt loved. They knew that he didn't agree with what they were doing. He knew that they didn't agree with the life and the way that they were going about things, but yet they never felt like he was coming at them from a place of judgment. They felt like he was coming to them from a place of love. And I so want that. I want that when I choose to go and sit with someone, for even if they know that I don't agree with the way that they do things that actually they want to stay and sit with me because they feel loved and they don't feel judged. So going back to the Pharisees being unteachable, we see that over and over the Pharisees are asking and they're questioning Jesus, but they're not ready to listen. They're not ready to understand. It's like that thing of they're hearing and they're hearing what he's saying, but they're not really listening to what he's saying and they're still trying to catch him out. And so from that, where the Pharisees were unteachable, I think we should try and learn to have that teachable spirit. Do we ask for wisdom and mean that we are actually open to being obedient to what God will teach us? And do we read our Bibles to learn or do we read it to try and find proof of the things that we think that we already know? And there's this, this concept that you that we find in like biblical studies and theology, which is called eisegesis or exegesis. And what that means is an, there are two different approaches to reading the Bible. And eisegesis is where you can approach a scripture with your own thoughts and your own ideas and you kind of look for that in the scripture. You look for confirmation of the wisdom that you think you have. Whereas an exegesis is where you take a passage and as much as possible, because we've all got backgrounds, we've all got thoughts, we've all got different things, you can't go completely with a blank page, but you try and go at it and you say, what can I take out of this scripture rather than what can I put into this scripture? So I think then where the Pharisees were unteachable, we can then look to have a teachable spirit. So the third thing kind of comes and follows on again because we've just seen that the Pharisees, they judged Jesus's actions of kindness. They judged his healing. They judged his eating with tax collectors. So we can ask what then was this about? And I think this was about that the Pharisees had a power struggle with Jesus because they loved being in power. They loved having this big appearance in society that their community looked to them and that they were seen as these high up people. Um, but actually they had a power that Jesus never could because he was God. And then in John chapter 11, verses 45 to 57, we see some more about this. So in verses 45 to 48, which are just following on from Jesus raising Lazarus from death, it says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. 
So we can see that the Pharisees, they can see that Jesus is performing signs. And in, in the Gospel of John, signs is the word that's often used that would in other, play, other Gospels perhaps be the word miracles. So they can see that what Jesus is doing is miraculous. They can see that what Jesus is doing is so different to anything that they've seen before. But they're so afraid that if people start to believe in Jesus, that their position in society will come down, that they find themselves in this power struggle of wanting to take down Jesus rather than look at who he is. And a bit further on in this same passage, in John 11, verse 51 to 53, because this whole passage is taking place as people are trying to find a reason to crucify Jesus, we hear Caiaphas say something which one commentator called Trench calls unconsciously prophetic. And it says, But as high priest that year, Caiaphas prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And those few verses together can seem really contradictory to us because we can read those first two verses and say, yes, that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came and he died, not only for the Jewish nation, but for the whole world to be able to access Jesus and the presence of God. Yet it says, for that very reason, Caiaphas wanted to go and continue to plot to kill Jesus. And this is actually because Caiaphas thought that everyone would come together and all become one against Jesus. And actually that killing him would bring people together and would make them look at himself and the Pharisees and all the other people that were in this high up religious community um, above Jesus. But actually we can see that this is exactly what Jesus' death did. That this is exactly what Jesus' death did because it brought him to be the focus and it brought people together to look to him. And I think also that the Pharisees found their authority was challenged by Jesus because he could do things that they couldn't. Their powerful position was at risk because even though Jesus didn't have this specific um, position according to the way that the religious community was set up, he had a greater power and he was able to manage his power and authority in a way that the Pharisees never could have done. And another commentator called McLaren, he phrases these people's thoughts in quite a comical way. And he says, never mind about his miracles or his teaching or the beauty of his character. His life is a perpetual danger to our prerogatives. So I vote for death. And I think he summarizes their thoughts so well that they could see that Jesus was performing miracles. They could see that he was teaching them great things. They could see that his character was one of beauty. And yet they were willing to ignore all that good as good because of the risk it posed to their own position in society. So what then can we learn? What should we do instead well, what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, I think can help us with this. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Because the Pharisees, they were so concerned with the way that they appeared. They were so concerned with their high position in society that actually it meant that they were building up all these things that Jesus was calling earthly treasures. And instead, he says to us, what's going on in your heart? What are you building up that is a treasure in heaven? What are you building up that is a treasure that's going to last for eternity rather than for the short time that you get to spend on this earth? And so Jesus instead, he says to us, where the Pharisees had that power struggle, why don't we have a heart after God and a heart after Jesus and a heart after his will? And if the band would like to join me here, because we can see them right at the start. The Pharisees had the initial intention that seemed good. They wanted to be set apart and they wanted to live for God But can we ask ourselves then, where are we perhaps moving away from what God is asking of us? And we can start to ask ourselves some questions. And I've got a few questions here and maybe one of them will specifically resonate with you. Or maybe it's even something different. But we could ask ourselves, does your initial intention match where you are now? Do you love Jesus more than you love ticking the boxes of the law? Do you trust Jesus more than your own ability to give you salvation? Do you love Jesus more than you love being right? Is your identity in Jesus or is your identity found in a position of earthly power? Is your heart after God's and does the way you live reflect that? That actually where the Pharisees had their initial intention for God, but they found themselves focusing on all the wrong things. They thought that they knew it all and had all the wisdom that they needed and they desired power more than they desired to know God's heart. That led them to when Jesus was stood in front of them that they didn't recognise who he was. And I think it can be so easy for us to fall into the traps of being swayed by these things that are in the world because they seem so important. But actually, maybe we should become a people that are living only after God and only after his heart and stepping aside from those things that mean we are looking at the wrong things, that mean we do have an unteachable spirit, although we mean that we're striving to keep some sort of earthly power or earthly authority and we want to be so much in control. And my prayer is that we would take note and that we would wake up to just living holy for Jesus. And that as we go into a time of worship together now, that maybe it would be good for us to just each take some time and to say to God, what is it? Where have I perhaps gone off track? Where do I think that I'm so intently looking at your will? And where actually have I swayed to be doing things that are more in line with my own will? That where actually are you now in comparison to the intentions that you set out with? And ultimately, the goal then is that we would recognise Jesus. My prayer is that we would know God and that we would know his heart so well that when we stand next to Jesus and he is face to face in front of us, that we would recognise him because we know who he is and we know his character.